Picturesque Waimarama, a beautiful seaside community, a place of halcyon summer days, hot chips and ice cream. But it's not just a lovely holiday destination, it's also the home of Ngati Hikatoa, Ngati Kurukuru, Ngati Urukitarangi, and Ngati Whakaitihapu of Kahungunu. In the 1860s, the original Waimarama block, some 35,000 acres, was leased to two European farmers. The promotion and development of Waimarama as a beach lifestyle area started in the early 1900s, when the large farming stations were broken up to create a beach settlement area. Today, the parts of the original Waimarama block that have been retained in Māori ownership are mostly leased out to Pākehā farmers. For the Renata Fano, the development of Papakainga on their ancestral land is an opportunity to get back to their Tūranga Waiwai and to connect with their marae and wider Fano. If we look over to the right over here, we've got a homeowner who moved up from Dannyvirk, and I don't know if you remember on the opening day here back in March 2017, and our kaumatua got up and spoke and said we've been able to return home. You know, so after about, I think it was three, three generations ago, might have been before, they had to move away for farming reasons. And now one of the great, great Mokopuna has come back to Waimarama. And not only for her, you know, with that brings back the other whanau, you know. That's so, yeah. huge. Yeah, yeah. And that's what can happen in Papakainga, you know. There's the hard items like the houses, the infrastructure, and then there's also the add-on cultural, social benefits. Tēnā koutou katoa, no mai haere mai ke te Indigenous Urbanism, Aotearoa edition, episode 15. I'm your host Jay Kake, and this is Indigenous Urbanism, stories about the spaces we inhabit and the community drivers and practitioners who are shaping those environments and decolonizing through design. On this episode of Indigenous Urbanism, we travel to Heratonga to visit a new five-house papakainga development on the hills of beautiful Waimarama. We spoke with Paura Sheeran, a key driver of papakainga activity in the Hawke's Bay. Hei mihi poto tēnei, kia koutou, ko tai mai ki kahununu nei, o te rāno ki Waimarama, te whenua nei, tēnei whenua o te, te papakainga o te whānau renata, Koira te, te tino tipuna, uh, Renata, uh, nā reira nau mai. Ah, nau mai haere mai, nau mai hoki mai. Ko ai tēnei, ko tākitumi te waka, ko Ngāti Kahununu me Ngāti Pāhauera ngā iwi. Ko rākau tātahi me te rongo ātahu ngā marae. Ko ruahine te paimaunga, ko te rangi tapu āwhata te taumata, ko whatumā te waiu. Uh, nā reira tētahi whakatauki o tō mātou nei rohe, ko puera keironga, ko whatumā keiraro a tihei Māori ora. Ko Paul Sheeran tōku ingoa. So we're in Waimarama, uh, which is in Hawke's Bay, Kahununu. Uh, as you can see, it's coastal. Uh, we're right on the beach there. This is the Waimarama 3A1C2 Incorporation. Uh, and this is their papakainga. Alright, so we're up on the hill overlooking the ocean. Is that the marae down there? Yes, yes, we've got the marae in the background there. So that was part of the reason why this was such a great site, because the incorporation actually owns a number of lands. 
And so with the marae just across the road, Papakainga, I think there's a kohanga reo over at the marae as well. So just sort of, you know, the infrastructure works, eh? And how many acres or hectares? Probably looking at about seven hectares for this block. So the incorporation owns this block as well? Correct, yeah. And then they have a number of other blocks that they lease out as well. Awesome. What are the kind of business things they've got? Mainly leasing for grazing. Yeah, I mean, as is with a lot of Māori freehold land, quite often they're uneconomic parcels. You know, so unless you can pull together whānau land around you or work it a bit inten- you know, more intensely, you know, then you're really just leasing out to the local farmer. But they chose this site because of the location with the marae with the Waimarama Township as well, because of the contour as well. You know, it's got a lot of character, this whenua. When the houses were designed, every kitchen window looks out at Motu Okura, which is their maunga, you know, their motu. So that was one of the design features that was sort of in, incorporated in the house design. So then when all the tamariki are doing the dishes, they can talk about their, <laughs> <laughs> their motu. Yeah, and it was, it was a good site. So they've actually got resource consent to build 20 homes up here and down on the flats down below. So this is stage one, and stage one included five houses, so infrastructure for five houses, of which it's a mixed model ownership. Okay, so we've got two home ownership here and three affordable rentals under the incorporation. And the reason why they started off with five is because when they go back through their whakapapa, there's really five whānau lines. So although they've got a resource consent for 20, they started off with the five so then they could offer each line a house back on their whenua Māori. So Eru, Eru Smith is the chairperson of the incorporation. He's a kaumātua, a well-respected kaumātua out here, a man who, who well-known for getting things done. And it's that generation, you know, the phone goes on a Sunday evening, very few words, kia is this Paul Sheeran? Yes, kia Eru Smith, I hear you do papakainga. Yes, good, we want you to help us. Māori Television's Takaya interviewed Eru Smith at the opening of the Papakainga in March 2017. Oh, it feels great. feel very proud, I suppose. <laughs> but, it, uh, yeah, I'm lucky that I, that I live here too, and my family's from here. But, yeah, I do I feel real proud. Out here, you could pay anything up to about $3.50 a week. So, you know, it's pretty reasonable for living here. And then if you go into the into the holiday makers, they pay up to fifteen hundred dollars a night. Being back home and being back where you belong, I think is one of the main things. But also that we can support our marae um, by being here. So you know, it's easier to go down and help when help is needed. And now back to powder. And so that was in two thousand and early two thousand and sixteen. We're able to secure feasibility study funding from TPK, as most Māori landers, rural, off the grid. The only bit of infrastructure that is out here is the water pipe that runs from up on the hill, a reservoir up on the hill out to the, the beachfront community, the million dollar houses. Not a lot of whānau Māori in those houses. So we have on-site sewerage, we upgraded the power, telecom, a lot of earthworks had to happen here, um, but yeah, but, but through the TPK grant, yeah, it was all possible. So you'll notice on the, the rental property, so there's two home ownership, three rentals. 
So we were able to secure some funding to install the solar panels on the rental properties. It is tied to the grid, so i.e. you know, when you're producing and you're using, that's one for one, that's the savings. But if you're not, if you're producing more than you're using, then the excess gets exported back to the grid. Is it a microgrid at a public Kainga scale or is it just on the individual? Individual, yeah, oh, okay. so individual because, you know, each whanau uh, have different levels of power consciousness, if you know what I mean. So one whānau might be, you know, they might set all their appliances to go during the day so that when the sun's at its best and it's producing, then they're really making the savings. That's something that we try and do on, on handover when the whānau take over, is that we get the solar guy in and just sort of talk about ways of maximising the savings. But changing behaviours can be challenging if whānau have never lived in a solar-powered home before, for example. Exactly. And even with living off the grid, like with, on a water supply, you know, so you've got to really be conscious of, you know, it's not like in town we can just turn the tap on and there's water. You know, we've got three 25,000 litre tanks here, goes through a UV filtration system pumped into the houses, but you still got to be conscious of, you know, and saving water. But, you know, you live rural, you just got to be aware of all that, eh? Yeah, actually where I grew up, it was, um, we were totally off-grid, so we had solar power and um, you know composting toilet and drew our own rainwater. But it's amazing how those behaviours can be so ingrained, but then the moment you move into town, your behaviour changes a lot. We're doing another project on a coastal um, block of land, and that's been a big part of the conversation throughout the process, is that the whānau coming out, because there are beach units there already, and they always run out of water. So you imagine taking a whānau from out of town, in town, out there, used to the constant water flow, you know. So there's got to be a mind, a mind change, a mindset change, yeah. First home ownership, this house behind us, you know, it just gives people the opportunity to move back onto their whenua, close to their marae, in a whānau environment. You'll see down here the communal area that they're sort of slowly developing, which is sort of like the epicentre of most pabukainga, you know, where everyone congregates. But I'd imagine that a lot of, a lot happens up on these types of uh, levels too, yeah. And are there um, many kids in this pabukainga? Yeah, yeah, there are actually, yeah. This whānau here moved back from Auckland, house, costs up there, rental and the ownership, so they've moved back home. So they've got uh, three lovely little children over here. Um, we've got two boys, young boys, probably sort of 12, 13, that live over here. Brenda provides uh, childcare. Uh, well, oh, like at-home kind of? Yeah, yeah, at-home childcare service as well. Yeah, so that's great. So she's able to live on her papakainga and also get an income from here. We spoke with Brenda Tatere, a whānau member who has moved home to her papakainga. So how, how long have you been living here on the papakainga? Um, I moved here in May 2017. I'm a single mum with two boys. I don't know how many years ago my koro was whangaid out. My koro's from here. And he was whangaid out of the whānau down to the Wairarapa. And I'm probably the first one to move back since then. Oh, wow, in all that time. Yeah, so I was raised in Danivik. We were fortunate enough that our koros, or siblings or whoever took care of his shares in the lands kept them in his name. Yeah, that's how we got to be here and this idea of the papakainga came up and I put up my hand to build our family one. So the five houses here represent the five whānau under the, the Renata name. My koro was Richard Renata. Yeah, and that's why I'm back here is to find out who I am. 
I know my whangai side, but I don't know our bloodline. And I've brought my two sons back here to, for them to learn who they are. What's it been like getting to know your family? It's been awesome. <laughs> Funnily enough, with these two brothers here in that house and that house, I actually met their father many years ago. I worked for Māori Fuse in Hastings, and I had no idea that we were related. Oh, you didn't know that was your father? No. I met their father. He suddenly passed. I went to his tangi. I still had no idea who... Even though you're very closely related, yeah. you just didn't know. Wow. No, well, no, like I said, no one had come back mm. since our quarter had been taken away. No one had ever been back. Mm. So my dad slowly started coming back, being on different committees. Yeah, and then I joined the, uh, the committee that's connected with this papakainga and... Yeah, that's how I came to be, really. So the five final lions, are they at your grandfather's level or the next one? Up? No, grandfather. So it's my grandfather and his four siblings. Ah, okay. And was he the only one that was whangai? Yes. All oh, right. Oh, wow. He's whangai out, yeah. Yeah, and so amongst your um, aunties and uncles and siblings, did you go through a process of saying, well, this is coming up, who wants to? Or how did you decide who was going to be in this home? Yeah, we had our meeting and we decided we were going to build the five homes related to the five siblings. And my kuro, his offspring was only my dad and his sister. He only had the two children because he died quite early. And... No one else sort of showed an interest. Oh. My first idea was for us, both families, to build a, a beach batch that we could come and go, and then nobody wanted to do that. So here you are resuming the ahika. Mm. Yeah, so I sold my house I had down home, and I got a mortgage on this. Actually, I had a similar, similar story with my own self, because my grandfather from Whangarei, but he was the one that moved away, and I'm the first one in my line to move home, and actually I'm the only one in the country, the rest are in Australia. Oh, wow. So, I, but I hope that because I'm there, more of them might be able to come and connect because I was fortunate mm. that my grandfather took me home and so his older sister and the matriarch of our yep. family. Um, so thankfully he made it that I had that connection with her too, but not all my cousins and things have that. Mm. So it's a big thing to be the one person who's holding that space. And, and in all honesty, between the two families, I'm the baby. Oh, wow. In house number five, my cousin, Doc Emery, which is my dad's sister's son, he's only just moved back from Singapore. Wow, so it's bringing everyone in from the four winds it back is. home to Waimarama. Yeah, so mm. we have the same line from our kuro back. I mean, he, he was born here and then automatically, pretty much straight away, given to the whanau that, that needed. Was he the youngest him? or is he somewhere in the middle? I don't know. Because mm. sometimes, a lot of families it'll be the youngest, but sometimes it's just one at a random point and for whatever reason. Oh, well, it used to be the eldest too, the well, first that born too, son. Yeah. yeah. Give it up to the nannies or something. I have no idea actually. We, no, I think I actually got a funny feeling Kuro was two, mm. number two. So the first one could have been a girl. Oh, right. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so he was the first born boy given to a family yeah, down at, like I said, at the Wairarapa at Hamua. And your marae just down there, isn't that great? Mm. <laughs> it is. Apparently I've been informed we have the first Monday of the month is Kapahaka. If you live too close to the marae, they just tell you when you come in. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody told me last Monday. Oh. But um, yeah. No, and it's good, it's going to be even better at like, doing things like that because there's still a lot more whānau that I don't know about. Yeah, so for those bigger gatherings or bigger mm. things, you know, each time you just get to know more mm. and figure mm. out how you fit in. Yeah. Beautiful. Um, now, Paura was saying before that you run like, um, like day, daycare or childcare at home? I do home-based childcare. Mm. 
and I also am a caregiver for Oranga Tamariki. Mm. So yeah, I get I get kept busy. And the cool thing is that you can do all this and stay on your papa kainga. Mm. 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 And good environment for kids. Mm. It is, yeah, yeah. I believe so. It's yeah, fresh air. And now you've got two boys. How old are they? 14 and 11. Wow, and so how was the move for them? It was good because they were still young enough to be excited. So, yeah, like my youngest spent last year at Waimarama School and thought it was great. Absolutely loved it and he's just started at Havelock Intermediate this year. Another new lot of children to meet sort of thing and he's really excited. He gets to grow up around his cousins. Yes. Yeah, it's quite funny, because I like calling different ones uncle, and now he goes, but is he my real uncle? I'm going, yes. <laughs> How are we related? Yes, honey. <laughs> yeah, yeah, how are we related? Well, he's my cousin, so yeah, he's like your uncle. Mm. And yeah, and it's quite good that he's been 11, is interested in wanting to know who he is. Like, who, is that one a real uncle or not, or cousin, or yeah. Yeah, maybe and that, how. that age where you start to become really aware of, of yourself and where you fit in and mm. wanting to understand. Mm. Mm. Oh, beautiful. It's so wonderful that you're able to um, provide that for them. Yeah, uh, I mean, it's really fortunate that I'm able to, too. I mean, I'm grateful that we can do this, that I could do this. Mm. Real grateful. Urbanism is a production of Tamatapihi. Sandy Wakefield does our sound recording, editing and mixing. Our theme was composed by Thomas Burton. I'm Jake Kake, your host and executive producer. For more information about today's show and other episodes of Indigenous Urbanism, go to indigenousurbanism.net. You can drop us a line at info at indigenousurbanism.net. And if you like what you're hearing, please give us a review or rating on iTunes. Coming up next on Indigenous Urbanism, we visit to Tai Whenua Oheretaunga to learn more about their emergency housing programs and their innovative partnership with Emerge Aotearoa. And it's really about hooking the tātou te whare, open the door to the house, open the door to a warm, dry and safe home, but really about opening the door to a better opportunity for whānau. We've been given the chance and, um, to help whānau at a really vulnerable time in their life um, to get ahead, and, and that's, that's the exciting part, I think.